I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed. It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. You can tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation, or you can give us a call or shoot us a text on the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. And remember to like and subscribe to all of the social media places you consume. Uh, we're at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. If you want to be a part of the show or comment, subscribe and like and share. That'll help us defeat the algorithms that are trying to keep good gun content down. So, uh, But I'm really happy to have with us for a second time here on Rapid Fire, uh, Bill Whittle. Bill, it's been a, a little while, but thanks so much for your time today. How are you? I'm doing just great. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be back. Yeah. So I know you're one of the hardest working guys in the industry. You're all, I, I follow a lot of your content on YouTube. It's great. Uh, good I, I feel political analysis of what's going on out there in the world. And, uh, you know, I know you're also a big friend of the Second Amendment. I've seen some of your great content as it relates to, uh, you know, you did that virtual State of the Union address where you mm -hmm. talked about guns and you did the whole, uh, what was that one episode you did? Uh, on? Uh, I, I did a, I did a, uh, a firewall called firewall. Number One with a Bullet that I like yeah. an awful lot about the U.S. murder rate and where it's concentrated in. Right. Yeah, and a lot of that. Tango, Texas is got more guns than anywhere else in the world it's also uh, safer than belgium it's safer than you know than holland it's safer than switzerland yeah so. and that actually has come up in the news again recently uh i've started to see some people kind of pulling down that same type of data that if you were to take the 10 most dangerous cities in america and pull those out of the equation we're like 202 out of 218 or something yeah, yeah. at the time um when I did that particular piece, I think we were 111th, which was just in the top part of the bottom half. Yeah. So that's including those cities, right? Every, you know, we're, we're the gun capital of the world. We should be the murder capital of the world if their uh, theory is correct. And we're not even in the top half of the 200-some nations that they – Right. But if you, take, if you take the murder pits away from it, then we become a safer country than, than anywhere in Europe. And right. It's and, amazing. And those murder pits that you're referring to are – have one thing in common. They do, don't they? And they've had that same thing in common for a long time. Yeah, very restrictive government uh, for permitting and licensing. And uh, they also tend to be overwhelmingly run by uh, one party, Democrat, you know, yeah, party. And for, and for 80 years, you know, I think in Atlanta, it's pushing 130 years. Mm. And, and, you know, it really actually makes you wonder, having given this great deal of thought, how how bad do you have to be at selling a message as a Republican or as a, or as a, anybody who loves freedom? How bad do you have to be at at getting your side across 
in order to have people vote for this kind of life for themselves for for three, four generations generations now, right? How how is it possible that nobody goes in there and says, hey, listen, there's a better way to live than this, you know? Yeah. But but we don't. We just don't. So. I think actually Trump started to do that at the. A little. Yeah. At the last, you know, the 2016 election, he basically said, hey, you've been living in this mess for decades. It's time Mm -hmm. you change it up a little bit. And yeah, what could what could get worse? Right. right. I mean. (laughs) But Mitt Romney, on the other hand, in 2012, said basically, look, there's 47% of the country we're never going to get. We'll just write them off. And I thought, that's not how I would run for president. I would I would try to get every single vote in the country. You know? Absolutely. That's the whole basket of deplorables methodology. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, uh, and <laughs> you, got, you got what you deserved, I guess. Right. Um, interestingly enough, Massachusetts uses that argument all the time as we are the safe one of the safest lowest gun violence states in the country because of our strict gun control but yet the thing they fail to mention is the fact that we are the most violent state in the New England area uh and we have Maine Vermont and New uh uh New Hampshire right to our north which are all constitutional carry states with a much lower violent crime and murder rate than Massachusetts. And I would say demographically, we're all kind of the same in the Northeast. You know, it's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't think that argument carries any weight. I think that in fact, it, it makes the counter argument that because of our restrictive gun control laws and the high barrier to entry and the high cost and the time it takes to actually procure a firearm in this state, uh, as well as California, where you're native to, or I don't know if you're native to, but that's where you call no, I've been here for, for 35 years, I guess. No? Okay. So, uh, yeah, kind of a similar situation, whereas if someone was in a situation where they actually needed to use a firearm to defend themselves, they're out of luck, because that's not going to happen in our case, probably for two to three months before they can acquire that firearm. And, yeah, and um, one of the things that's been, you know, I mean, depressing and fun at the same time to watch over the years is to watch how easy it is to outsmart these legislators. Uh, and it usually takes about 15 minutes, you know. The um, When they started to go after the AR-15, uh, they said that in order that, that you could not have a replaceable magazine, you had to basically you had to pop the lower and, and the upper and pivot it open and, and manually reload it every eight or nine rounds or something. And I fired one of those early... Uh, California legal AR-15s, and they were just doing this, you know, they were just, just wobbling around. So um, so uh, the good guys said, well, okay, California, so what's the definition of a so-called assault rifle? And they said, well, pistol grip, all these other things designed specifically at the AR. And then they said, well, uh, and one of the things that you couldn't have in California was a detachable magazine. And so the lawyers for the good guys said, okay, uh, what's the definition of a detachable magazine? And California legislators said, well, it's a magazine that cannot be removed without the aid of a tool. And so that's the legislation that passed. And so uh, what the good guys did was they basically took that little lever used to drop a magazine and replace it with the bullet button, which means that you can't put your finger in there. You cannot detach that magazine without the aid of a tool, but the tip of a of a AR-15 round works just great. And you just point that in there, out it goes, in goes the new one. It's called they called it the bullet button. And I'm sure it took some some uh, armor all of 15 minutes to defeat these, you know, big brains. So then after many, many years with the bullet button, they decided to change the the uh, uh, the legislation again. And this time they changed it to saying, well, you can't have a gun. You in order to reload the weapon, you have to disassemble the weapon. 
And they said, okay, well, what does disassemble the weapon mean? Well, in case of the Air 15, you got to pull one of the pins. So now, my formerly bullet, well, before my guns went overboard in a terrible tra- tragic boating accident, uh, but but now um, they replaced the bullet button with uh, with a little. It's just a little push button thing, and it just cracks. It just cracks the uh, the rear, the upper, and the lower just enough, right? And then you can just drop another magazine in with the regular lever. And so, look, it's like these these laws are 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 designed by um, by cretins, and and they're and they're implemented at great expense, and they and they're trying to. I, you know, I think the only word for this is they're trying to fetishize uh, weapons. Uh, semi-automatic rifles, the AR in particular, because since nothing, since they don't want to address the actual problems, um, they're gonna they're gonna dance around this idea that it, it's like the, the the black rifle is like a it's like you got to throw this into the volcano. You know what I mean? You, you got to throw a virgin into the volcano to make these evil spirits go away. And if we just throw the if we just throw the black rifle into the volcano, then our lives will be fine. But what they don't want to do is um, is deal with the underlining pathologies because these, as we started off talking about, the problems not where the weapons are, and the problems not even what the what the gun control laws are. The problems are what's happened to the character of people mm. under three generations of of democratic collectivist you know rule. What what does it do to people? And it turns out it doesn't do very nice things to them. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. The whole I think uh, I might have lost you. Hang on a second. Yeah. Sorry, uh, my fault. No, it's okay. Uh, you bring up a great point. The, uh, the Always the, the proposition by those who see a, a problem is to restrict the people who aren't the problem. That's and, right. Yeah. And so um, they're like, oh, we just got to restrict access to guns. Well, guns haven't been more as restricted as they are nowadays ever in the history of our country. You know, right. 40, 50 years ago, you could order them out of a JCPenney catalog or a Sears Absolutely. and Roebuck and get them. You could go to Sears or a hardware store and walk out with armloads of guns and all the ammunition you can carry. Right. And so the problem isn't access to guns. And they were in the no. back of pickup trucks in high schools. They were at, in kids' lockers on the shooting team. And they were, you know, uh, they were very prevalent in society. And kids had access to guns even more so than, you know, they claim they do today. And there weren't the issues. So we've, we've degenerated as a society to the point where now I don't even think you can hide it anymore when you see all these videos of people just going into stores and filling baskets of uh, shopping carts full of goods and walking out and nobody doing anything. And if you call the police, you get you get arrested or get fired, excuse me, you know, by the company you work for. It's the weirdest thing. We've, we've, we've lost our way in a, in a huge way, if you ask me. When it comes to the, uh, you know, as far as uh, people in arms are concerned and, and the access to arms, we think just restricting them is going to solve the problem. No. And like you said, throwing them into the, vol- into the volcano. And I just read last week that a uh, New York legislator is proposing expanding the failed gun-free zone around a school from a thousand feet to five thousand feet that'll solve the problem yeah that was the problem bill in case you didn't notice uh it wasn't the fact that you couldn't bring a gun to the school in the first place it's that you you could bring it too close to the school and now you got to stay about a mile away if you have a gun if you own a gun or how do you what about the people who live near a school i I wonder how that'll affect them so let's just make sure 
that we're following the logic that they're trying to use. I mean, I know it's not logic, but let's just pretend for a second, right? First of all, what we both just discussed is absolutely true. When we were kids, um, guns were everywhere, and playing with guns were everywhere. They were on TV. We all had tap guns when we were kids. You know, we all grew up with the entire idea of guns. If their theory is correct, then then the mass shootings and the violence and the gun violence would have been very high when guns were everywhere and should have gotten progressively lower over time as they become more and more restrictive. Well, that's not what happened. As a matter of fact, the opposite thing has happened. Mm. Now, it's not – I don't think that gun restrictions create the problem, but it is it is – what they apply to solve the problem when it's not the problem at all. Right. What we had, what we had 30, 40 years ago when we were kids is we had fathers and we had families. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing that they will not address because if the conversation ever gets to that point, they know they're in real trouble. The, what I remember, all of us remember the first of these like modern mass shootings at Columbine and not long after uh, Columbine, the father of one of these shooters, and I never use those guys' names ever, anybody's names. Uh, the father said, I had no idea. And I thought to myself, well, you damn well should have had an idea. Right. You know, these kids are living in your house. Are you actually telling me that, that you lived in the same house as your son for, for, for what, 15, 16, 17, 18 years? And you were unaware of how far off the rails this kid has gone? It, the, the, the number one correlation in prison for violent crime is lack of father in the household. And the number one preventative, you don't find criminals, violent criminals who, who had, who had grown up having dinner with the family. And look, it's not rocket science, right? It it makes a lot of sense. If you're having dinner with a family and you've got a strong father in the house and the kid starts to get a little weird, well, you're talking to him every day. You get a chance to say, Hey Jim, you know, I'm not entirely sure this idea of, you know, taking pot shots at the neighbor's dog is, you know, is something that you should be doing. And, and you get to correct them before they become psychopaths. Mm. But when you take fathers out of the equation by number one, providing government subsidies and, and basically making it essentially not only easy, but subsidizing, intentionally subsidizing single moms and stuff, then, you know, wh- what a surprise, right? We don't have any role models for these, for these young men. They've got the same biology that young men have always had. They've never had it channeled. They've never had any discipline. They've never had been told right from wrong or shown right from wrong. And we're raising this generation of, of neurotic predators who, who have been looking their entire lives for, for some kind of guidance and now have decided they're going to commit suicide by cop and get to be world famous in the bargain. Right. So, so, you know, it's an utter mystery. No one can figure out why we have this problem. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think you're a hundred percent right. There's a lot of kids these days that'll never know the feeling of he- or hearing the words from their mother. You wait until your father gets home. You know, exactly. <laughs> I had that, you know, that was my biggest fear in life growing up was that I was going to disappoint my dad and there was going to be serious repercussions, yes. namely on my rear end. To, yeah. uh, but, you know. but it's interesting the way you put that because you didn't start with my greatest fear was that I was going to get spanked. You, you said my greatest fear was that I was going to disappoint my dad. And that's that's a fundamental difference. This is what these people never understand about things like spanking and any kind of discipline. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they think that they think that if if a parent disciplines a child, the child's going to hate him forever. When in point of fact, it's precise opposite. Right. You never, ever, 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 ever hear of any, forget mass shootings. You never hear any 
cases of crime from people that called their father sir. You never, ever, 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 ever hear that because it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And and that that sense of of when dad comes home has got I think got two things to deal with this here. First of all, it's the idea that there are going to be consequences for your actions. Right. And you get to stew about it for a couple hours, which really is where the real punishment is, right? That's always worse than, yes. than what you get. And, and I think probably, you know, more importantly than that, the traditional family that's largely disappeared is the perfect example of the good cop, bad cop routine. I mean, mom gets to be the good cop. Dad, dad is a bad cop. We're wired that way. We don't, you know, we see temper tantrums. We're not inclined to want to just feed the temper tantrum. We're kind of inclined to want to put an end to them. And, and the child gets the benefit of both. Dad says, all right, go to your room without any dinner. And mom comes in and sneaks you a cookie. And, and you, get, you get both sides of that, of that carrot and stick. And, and you create actual good citizens, right. virtuous people who can govern themselves. You take that away and everything else starts to fall apart. And isn't that what the whole premise, I mean, not the whole premise, but a large premise of the whole uh, you know, we're coming up on Fourth of July here, and we got the you know Constitution, and we got the Bill of Rights. But it was one of our founders who said that the this society that we're creating is going to largely have to be governed by a moral and a religious people, or this doesn't work, right? What? And we're, we're, you can start to see some of the wheels come off the bus once we've left that in the in the wind, so to speak, and we don't have these hard, fast rules and it's anything goes and, you know, okay, we're just upping the limit of uh, the shoplifting under a thousand dollars is not even going to be called. The, the police won't be called. And the, the whole consequences for your action thing is, is kind of being left behind. It's in a far distant past in the rearview mirror as we're going down the tracks. And honestly, that is creating monsters in our society, monsters. absolute monsters. And uh, I look at that, um, I don't know if you saw it, but the, that TikTok kid from Europe, uh, from England there, who uh, has been basically terrorizing people, walking in their homes and, you know, yep. all that stuff. It, zero consequences. Yeah, try that in Texas, see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> I don't think you'd be... Uh... And, and now you know why, and now you know why places like Plano, Texas, which is what I used in that uh, number one with the bullet as an example. Right have a murder rate lower than any European country, lower than Sweden, lower than all of these, you know, presumed uh, paradises because they just don't tolerate that kind of stuff. And it's not just human predators either. I was, I I just happened to run across a video of some, uh, a couple years old from somebody in South Africa who showed, who showed footage of these baboons just breaking into their house, smashing things, opening the fridge, you know, and, and, and just stealing the food. And, and they come at them with a broom and start swatting them away. And I'm thinking, you come at them with a 45, your result is going to be very different very quickly. Right. You know, you just put that alpha baboon's head on a, on a stick someplace outside your house and they'll, and they'll leave you alone. Now, I don't want things to get to that point. I'm not right. like bloodthirsty about that, but that's the reality of it. And, and this idea that there, are, that there won't be any consequences for your actions. There was an interesting dynamic going on when we were younger, and you didn't see it quite as much as you heard about it. Some elements of it may have been almost like an urban myth, but basically I saw it happen in real life enough times to know it's true. There was a time when we were very little where if you, if you so much as stole a, a candy bar or a piece of bubble gum out of a, out of a store, they would call the cops, mm. and the cops would come down, 
and the cops are not we adults know the cops are not going to arrest a kid for stealing bubble gum but they would come down and they would start to threaten you they may even put you in handguns they'd scare the living crap out of you is what they would do and and then you would realize man i just i'm lucky to be walking free <laughs> now i never stole a piece of gum but i know kids that did right. and that dynamic where the cops come down and, and the and the father says well officer if he stole the gum you're gonna have to take him to jail now dad and the copper kind of winking at each other backstage but but the kid is just terrified right. and that's what you want you want them to be afraid of of irresponsible antisocial decisions right and if you take that away you're going to have a society of psychopaths and we're, well we're, we've certainly arrived there in the cities i think the heart of the country is still very sound but certainly around the edges it's it's going fast yeah, so, you know, you mentioned you, you're from California in the last 35 years or whatever, and I didn't know if you caught the news that uh, earlier this month, the office of Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, I think he's teeing up a, a presidential run or something, who knows? He certainly is. Yeah, uh, but he proposed something that will make you feel very safe, I'm sure. Oh, good. Uh, he, he proposed that we passed the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution to enshrine fundamental, broadly supported gun safety measures into law, while leaving the Second Amendment largely unchanged and respecting America's gun-owning tradition, which is funny. It's like this oxymoron about to develop here, where we want to restrict your right to keep and bear arms by leaving the Second Amendment fully intact. I I don't know how that's going to play out, but he basically wants to uh, include universal background checks, raise the firearms age purchase to 21, instituting a firearm purchase waiting period, and barring the civilian purchase of assault weapons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so this is going to, it says, he says, our ability to make a more perfect union is literally written into the Constitution. So today I'm proposing the 28th Amendment to the Constitution to do just that. Don't they'll you- call it the Constitutional Security and Patriotism Act. That's what they'll call this 28th <laughs> Amendment. Uh, and to this I say, like I say with everything else with this $800 haircut, uh, Gavin, why don't you have the courage of your convictions? You want you want to change things? Then make the 28th Amendment repeal the Second Amendment. That's how you do it. That's the constitutional way to do it. Go ahead and do that. That's what all of you want to do. So just come out and do it. Make that your platform. Make it you are going to present the 28th Amendment to repeal the Second Amendment. See how that works out. See how it works out. And they know they can't do that. So what they're basically doing is they're doing what they're doing is what they always do, which is take things incrementally, right? So we've got this guaranteed right that is not in any way vague. Is nothing, there's nothing uh, ambiguous about the language in anywhere in the Constitution. Right. And so they're taking that, and they, are, and they are saying, well, you have the right to do this, I guess, because of the Constitution. So now what we'll do is we'll say that the government has a right to limit it, and you have the right to have it. So now we're more or less equal. And then we're going to use the 28th Amendment to enforce our will upon people, because you've essentially got competing amendments, which means you don't have a right. You have a constitutionally protected right and then a constitutionally limited right. right. And and we have the progressives to thank for this. You know, the, the abolition was the first, uh, first constitutional amendment ever designed to restrict freedom. Everything prior to that had been about increasing freedom hmm. and increasing freedom for, for more people. But along comes, you know, a bunch of busybodies and you get, you know, 
lunatics and, and, and racists like Woodrow Wilson, famed Democrat, in office. And next thing you know, you've repealed the ability to come home and have a drink on your own. And then the next thing you know, you've enabled the income state, uh, the income tax. But most importantly of these progressive amendments, you introduce the 17th Amendment, which takes the power of the states away and means that the federal government gets more and more involved with everything. And then all you really have to do is just elect two or three people and you, you can do whatever you want to. Yeah, and I think that's also what Congress has done a lot, large in a large part in the last few years, uh, or even the last couple decades. They've they've basically uh, given the power of Congress over to these three letter executive bodies to enforce a myriad of rules that have the weight of law, like felonies. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the whole perfect example is this. Um, arm brace bill where they want to, you know, um, change the rules around how an arm brace on a pistol is is looked at. And now it's a SBR. And this goes back to the time you're talking about in the 30s with the National Firearms Act. Uh, and I think that that in its constitutional scrutiny, its days would be numbered anyway. But um, hopefully in this post-Bruin era, we'll see something happen to that whole NFA, which just basically taxes and restricts the Americans' ability. Do you, I don't think the founders cared if it had a long, a full barrel, a short barrel, a stock, or no stock. They said arms, bearable arms. And uh, so they put a $200 tax on it in the 30s. And now they're trying to do this with this rule change about arm braces. And it, what's it going to do? It's going to do nothing to save even one person's life because all of the stuff that Gavin Newsom proposes here in this 28th Amendment will only affect those that are largely trying to do the right thing and follow the law. No criminal is going to sit here and say, dang it, I got to wait till I'm 21 in order to buy a gun That's so right. I can go out and, and shoot yep. on the local gangs. You know, It's not yep. going to happen. And that's the same thing with the gun-free zone, just the ridiculousness of that. I mean, I just think about it now. You've got a person who's willing to go in and commit multiple charges of the most heinous act that a person can commit. Uh, and they are, and they're going to be deterred by the fact that there's a sign there. It's like saying, well, oh, I was going to go shoot up the school, but it turns out it's restricted parking today. So, you know, I don't want to break that law. Yeah. So I get in trouble and I would feel bad about myself. I mean, honest to God, how, how, how blind do you have to be? But when you really get down to the, to the, I mean, when you just look at what's actually happening rather than what they say is happening, here's what you come to realize. The murder rate in this country is as high as it is because of of the crime that goes on in democratically controlled cities. And they've been controlled by Democrats for, in most cases, four generations. Right. right? So that's where the numbers of people killed are. 8,000 black people, mostly black men, murdered in this country every year by other black men primarily. And so we're going to make the entire thing be about the AR-15. Well, the AR-15 is a little more difficult to conceal than a Saturday night special if you're going to go rob a liquor store or whatever else you're going to do. The, they're coming after the AR-15 and the semi-automatic rifle because those are not weapons that criminals use. Mm. Those are not what's committing the murders in our city. Those are the weapons that citizens have to protect themselves against their government. If they really wanted to cut murders, if that's all they really wanted to do, they'd be going after 
pistols. Right. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not saying they should be doing that. I'm saying if you if you look at the data, that's what they would be doing. Which is, I got into a discussion at a college once. The last time I went to a college, I just decided not to do that anymore. Gosh, I don't know, seven years ago. Just it's like it's like trying to it's like trying to grab the flag on the back of the Titanic and 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 tread water to keep it from going to the bottom. You know, <laughs> but. But I, I, I challenged these uh, kids. I said, I care a lot more about black people than you do. And, and these were Black Lives Matter uh, uh, radicals, right? Oh, yeah, really? What do you mean? Well, you know, you're saying, you're saying um, Black Lives Matter and you're, and you're, you're saying that um, the problem is policemen killing black people. Well, I took a look at the data from 2017 and the homicide rate of people who kill black men Four percent of the total homicides on black men are committed by police. And that includes if somebody walks up and shoots a policeman in the head and then he shoots back. And so that's in there, too. Right. Right. And if you're telling me that your entire movement is about four percent of the problem and you're not going to address 96 percent of the problem. In fact, you're not even going to discuss or allow anyone to discuss where 96 percent of the problem is. Then you're not a serious movement and you're not what you say you are, Mm. because if you were. You'd be going where the problem is biggest, and that's what you'd be trying to solve first. But you don't. Right. You don't. Yeah, and I want to hold that thought until after the break because I have more on that. Exactly. You're on you're onto something there, and it's, it's so true, and it's sad to see. But uh, we're here with Bill Whittle on Rapid Fire, your 2A talk radio show that you can call in or leave a message at, 508-444-2120. And we will be right back after the break with more from Bill Whittle. Stay tuned. for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. We're having a fascinating conversation with Bill Whittle uh, from BillWhittle.com. You can follow his work on YouTube and everywhere else. Uh, He puts out great content. You're going to want to check out his content. Uh, Bill, before the break, we were talking about, uh, exactly as you were so eloquently putting, that I used to talk about this similar issue with some people around here, namely uh, Grandmothers Against Gun Violence was the name of the organization. And I said, you know what? Hey, if you're truly against gun violence, why are you standing in Hyannis, Massachusetts with your signs? Why are you not at ground zero in the cities that are mostly affected by violent crime? Um, Namely, you got Chicago, you got Detroit, you got, in a lot of cases, the people that actually could use a firearm to protect themselves are highly restricted. And, Absolutely. And and we couldn't get it 
you'd think it couldn't get any worse under the prior mayor of Chicago, but now under the new mayor, it's it seems to be getting ten times worse. We had we had the whole Juneteenth celebrations ending in gunfire in Chicago, and it's it's sad, it's heartbreaking, honestly. And uh, we're just pouring f- liquid, you know, gasoline onto a raging fire and expecting different results every time it's tried. Yeah, you want to say to these um, grandmas against gun violence exactly what you just said. Well, why, why are you here? Why don't you go down to South Central LA? And they'll tell you, well, I don't want to go down there. That's nuts. I'll get killed. Right. Well, how's that possible, man? They have much stricter gun control laws there than they do here. You'd be moving into a safer zone, according to your logic. I mean, they have all kinds of restrictive gun control laws down there. What do you mean you, you don't feel safe down there? You've got the gun control laws to protect you. Why aren't you down there on the middle of the street? This this is This is just, look... It's so insane that it's not an accident. There are a number of people on the left who who are told what the current thing is that they're supposed to support, and then they support it. Mm. And they've been told their entire lives that gun control saves lives. And there's not a piece of evidence that this is true. There's mountains of data that says it isn't. But that's not important, which means that the people who are telling them this know this, right? They know. Mm. They know. And and this is the thing that's that's so remarkable about about these um, anti-gun bills is that they are not going after the weapons of the people who are committing the crimes. They're going after the weapons of the people who have weapons in order to deter their government from doing what out of control lunatic. It's like Gavin Newsom really want to do, which is to tell you what to do. And if you don't do it, then he's going to make you do it. Right. And, and this kind of, you know, tie dyed fascism that, that we see among guys like this is is everywhere and i gotta tell you this is the part that's really the most disturbing to me is that we are we are allowing a great deal of this country to be damaged at the hands of these weenies that's the thing i can't bear you know Mm. i mean if there were nazis or, or communists or somebody with machine guns at least then you could say well you know i had to keep my head down but what have they got what have they what have they actually got to enforce this gigantic change well they're going to call you a bad name well, yeah, turns out, turns out that good people don't want to be called bad names and good people will generally do what they can to avoid being labeled as racist or homophobes or transphobes or whatever else they want to call you. And so if you tell a bunch of people, hey, shut up, you racist, the only people that actually shut up are people who don't want to be perceived as racist. Actual racists, if you said shut up, you racist, you're damn right, I'm a racist. Look at my armband. I got the pointy hat on. And, and, and so it's so blatantly obvious what they're doing. And all of this comes back to me just coming to say, look, I'm not expecting them to be virtuous. I'm not expecting them to be the good guys. It's not their job to be the good guys. They're the bad guys. My problem is why is it the good guys are allowing this to happen? And why can we not make this very simple, obvious case on a national level is beyond me, beyond me. Yeah. And the, you know, the point is um, when, when good people, like you said, are beaten to a corner, they sometimes will do nothing. However, I think, I'm hopeful that society is starting to see that the problem isn't the guns, it's the problem is the society we live in. Like, uh, But the implication of what they're doing implies that everybody who decides to take up arms or have a gun for personal protection is a ticking time bomb waiting to go crazy and and kill everybody in the room which nothing could be further from the truth studies have shown that you know law-abiding gun gun 
owning responsible citizens are less likely to commit a crime than even like police officers or other Mm -hmm. demographics in society. And so ironically, we allow or we did allow, I I think the tide is turning that, uh, and I think COVID had a lot to do with that. The whole, like I had more people come into our gun store during COVID with this kind of deer in the headlights look and look around, like you could tell they'd never stepped foot in a gun Mm -hmm. store in their life. And like, I don't like guns. How do I buy a gun? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that was the that was the thing. And we kind of opened their eyes a little bit and said, okay, well, you gotta do a background check, you gotta get fingerprinted photograph, take a class, pay a hundred bucks to the town, pay a hundred bucks to us for the class, you know, wait one to three mm-hmm. months, and then eventually your license might come in if the chief doesn't think you're an unsuitable person. And they're like, What? I thought it was like you know, I thought I could just come out here with just armfuls <laughs> worth of guns. I thought you were handing them out like popcorn. Right. Yeah. And, and you know what's really interesting about that, about with those kind of people who, who have been forced to wake up, is when, when they actually get out to the gun range, my experience has been that they experience two things that really surprise them. The first thing that surprises them is how how strict people are about safety. That really has shocked a lot of people I've, uh, who have never been to a gun range before. Yeah. They think it's all kind of Yahoo. You know, and when they see these guys saying, you step across that line, you put your toe across that line while the range is is, is cold one more time and you're out of here. Right. They, they're not ready for that. And the other thing they're not ready for is the sensation of watching something go ping when you hit it. Mm. That is, like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and so, so, yeah, so this whole thing is is just transparently obvious and it's pathological and Gavin Newsom should be the poster child of this. Gavin Newsom was a guy that turned arguably the most beautiful city in America, maybe in the world, into a place where you had to have an app on your smartphone to tell you which route to take to avoid most of the human feces and the needles on the streets. And if I was running against him as the Republican governor, I would have... I saw our Republican candidate several years ago when Newsom was first elected. I just thought, oh, well, there's another election. We've lost this guy's pathetic. But if it were me... If it were me, I would not – if I was running for Republican governor of California, I would not start any event or any press conference without consulting the app to see where the largest concentration of human feces was in San Francisco at the moment. Right. That's what this man did to the town. It's what he's doing to the entire state. I would go at him, and I'd never stop. But, but you know, the left likes him because he's good-looking, and, you know, and, 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 and he tells them the things that they've always believed, and, and they don't want to hear evidence they don't want to hear the truth they're the same thing with look they're the same way with with the the global warming thing they're not interested in that they want to be virtuous easily mm. they want they want easy virtue virtue signaling i remember one of the first uh, when i was first doing public speaking i was talking about you drive down the road you know and you used to be real popular to see these bumper stickers that say free tibet I thought, well, that ought to do it. That ought to slow those communist Chinese down. You have a free Tibet sticker on your Prius in Los Angeles or Santa Monica. I guess they're gonna. I guess they're gonna back right off. And I said, you know, if you really want a free Tibet, really seriously, if you really want a free Tibet, you should have a bumper sticker that says United States Marine Corps. That's how you free Tibet, mm. right? But but no 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 no. As long as it feels good. Here's the thing about these people. They. I mean this sincerely now. They would rather do something that feels good to them and has negative consequences on other people than do something that feels bad to them and has positive consequences on other people. That's how narcissistic they are. I think you're right. And especially when you break down how his 28th Amendment proposal is, one of the things he bullet points is barring civilian purchase of assault weapons that serve no other purpose 
than to kill as many people as short a po- in as short a amount of time as possible. Weapons of war our nation's founders never foresaw. Well, and, it's funny then because then that would have said something in the Second Amendment if the founders right. had never foreseen it. Then they would have said uh, the right of the of of the of the the right to keep and bear non-military weapons shall not be infringed. Yeah, but that's not what they wrote. And and I like to point out a lot of times that um, what kicked off the whole American Revolution was the fact that the Brits were coming to get the arms and the powder and the shot from the from the Minutemen and and uh, you know in in our backyard here in Concord and Lexington and what they were coming to seize were ghost guns. A lot of them didn't have serial numbers. They didn't have, uh, you know, f- of course, armories or factory. A lot of them were homemade guns with with no markings. Government didn't even know they existed. They just knew there were there were guns in those possession in their possession. And right. We got to get them. And so, if they had a problem with ghost guns, if they had a problem with unserialized weapons, that as you point out, they would have put it into the government constitution that all guns must be notified to the federal government that, you know, you're creating one or they can't be created by you. They have to be put out by a major manufacturer. It's, it's, it's unbelievable to me that uh, these people want this availability of revisionist history at their disposal that the, the founders never foresaw. It's unbelievable. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if you, if you get a chance to argue with one of these people, you say, so what you're saying is, is that the founders, we're okay with people owning like a flintlock musket, right? One load flintlock musket, that, that'd be okay with you, right? Yeah, that's what, that's what they had in mind. Well, I hate to break this to you, but in 1776, a flintlock musket was the assault weapon of the day. You understand? When people are assaulting you with an army, that's what they were using. When people came and fought them, they used the same weapons that the people who were coming to take them were using. A squirrel gun is no different, essentially, than, than a flintlock musket. And so what they're basically saying is, oh, as long as it was limited to flint, well, that was the assault weapon of the time, you moron. Yeah. That's just insane. It was and, a weapon of war. Yeah, and obviously, also, obviously, you know, these people are, are, are libertines. They don't care about liberty. They just want to do what they want to do all the time with no consequences. And so when you when you get somebody who says, well, the founders never could have foreseen, you know, a, a semi-automatic rifle, that's, that, well, they, they, they foresaw that weapons would improve over time. That's why they said bear arms. Mm-hmm. And they also didn't say that your First Amendment speech is protected so long as you write on a piece of parchment with a, with a quill pen. Right. They didn't write that either, right? You don't get to say what you want to on TV or on the internet. The founders never foresaw that. They're only protecting your right to free speech in terms of feather and parchment. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as far as the government is concerned, they they by prohibiting rights, what's next after that? You you take away the constitutionally protected rights, and you know it's funny. I I was going to ask you about what you thought of Joe Biden's speech the other day at the whatever the heck it was, the Safer Communities rally he was at, and I don't know if you heard him talk about the the vans that would pull up to the corners and sell AK forty sevens and AR fifteens and you know, on the streets of Pennsylvania and New York. Did you hear that? When he no, was I bet that was, um, I bet that was corn pop though. Uh, oh yeah, I, I know. Was, I, was... I, bet, I bet corn pop was behind this <laughs> Yeah, because he's a bad dude, and, a bad uh, dude. and you can really trace most of our problems to, to corn pop. Corn pop would pull up in the van, but yeah, it was, it was amazing. And then he went on to further talk about the, uh, 
the pistol brace and how he's trying to restrict pistol braces and how when you attach a brace to a pistol, it makes it into a gun and it <laughs> increases the caliber oh, of does the it? gun. Yes, this is it's unbelievable. We played it last week on the show and uh, it's it just magically the brace turns the pistol into a gun and changes the caliber and changes the caliber. That's quite a, a it's quite a bit of engineering, actually. It reminds me that's got to be almost as impressive as that um, fully semi-automatic weapon that the guy was trying to uh, <laughs> yeah to, no, to ban. Ge- that um, was a general who was who was talking about that. I'm going to pull it put it into fully semi-automatic mode now. <laughs> What's especially interesting about that, by the way, is that even I mean, unless I'm mistaken, you know more about this than I do, but I don't believe that the M4s. They don't. They don't have full auto anymore, do they? I, mean, they, they, I believe they the M4 or does. Something? I believe the M4 does. It's select fire. They have safe semi and maybe three shot burst or uh, full auto in the military. But there's some that are full auto, some that aren't. And I just remember hearing that it was just generally considered to be a complete waste of ammunition. Oh, and, no doubt. And every time I see people with the spray and pray thing, it's like I'm pretty sure I could take this entire militia out if i just lay down on the ground got a decent brace had a, a decent piece of optics on there and one one pull one bang you know this right. business of like shooting over walls like this with their you know with yeah okay so most soldiers so we, put their guns in semi-auto mode unless they're laying down covering fire or something right like there that. you yeah. go yeah so so yeah you really have to ask yourself what's going on here and and i really do think that the tide is turning and strangely enough uh, i don't think the tide is turning at all because of gun rights, I don't think it's turning because of uh, free speech infringement, tech censorship, or anything. I actually think the reason that the country's starting to rebound now is because I think the trans movement has just gone so far beyond what people thought the confines of, of actual tolerance and decency would be. That we're that first we were told, you know, oh, we just want to get married. Okay, it's none of my business. That's fine. Now we have to change the language, and you have to have your own specialized language for yourself. And we've got to all agree. And now we have to all agree that this giant fantasy land that you live in is the real world. We got to take a knee to that. And then you know, and then we got to admit that you know, our, no, no, it's a perfectly appropriate thing for our kids to go to drag uh, shows. And, and and it's just pushing people who have no real interest in either guns or even the Constitution, really, to realize that this situation is now completely bat guano crazy. And and I like to think that people are are slowly awakening. I know, I know for a fact that when you were talking about people coming into the gun shop who've never been there before, mm-hmm. it's a it's a like a trope here among conservatives in Los Angeles, and I've spoken to all six of us uh, at one point <laughs> or another. But everybody I've ever known who is a conservative out here has the same story to tell, and that is that their liberal friends said, you're a Neanderthal, you're bloodthirsty, savage, primitive, stupid, knuckle-dragging, low-sloping forehead, you know, brute. And then the Rodney King riots happen, and they get a call saying, hey, do you have any extra, uh, you have an extra piece I can hang on to for uh, just for the next couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll give you my low-sloping forehead, uh, knuckle-dragging, <laughs> brute. Uh, piece the one i keep over the the mantelpiece for for moments like this you yeah you're you moron 100 percent correct and you know you mentioned earlier about uh the 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 arm that the average criminal uses is not the ar-15 and back in the 70s there was this effort to ban like saturday night specials i remember that very well yeah and they acted on what the data was and they realized this is a dumb argument because the average person owns a fire you know a handgun for personal protection and we're never going to win this and and along with what dc did in banning uh 
handguns, Massachusetts actually had a an amendment to ban handguns, which fa- failed miserably. But um, the the bottom line is they at least recognized what most people were being shot with and tried to ban that, which obviously wasn't a winning argument at the time. And now they've uh, they're trying to you know mold this evil weapon into the average you know what every mass shooter wants and still to this day the university of virginia virginia tech shooter was actually uh one of the largest school shootings to date who was using a 22 pistol and no one is making the argument of banning 22 pistols and the same argument can be made um where you know Cars are one of the number one killers in America, but nobody ever jumps to this illogical conclusion of restricting access to cars or banning cars or making one gun, I mean, one car per 10 years or something, you know, slowing down the rate of buying guns. Because everyone would know it's an insult to your intellect. And, and, but yet we make this giant leap of faith and logic and, and all of a sudden apply things that don't apply to, to firearms because we can, uh, we can tie emotion to them and and make people think that oh guns bad yeah if we could just get rid of the guns life will be good it'll be like the care bear stare will solve all our problems so here's the yeah i mean we really need to step way way back now way 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 back and not even deal with specific issues at all when you see a, a really good magician I mean, a really good magician. He will leave you dumbfounded, just absolutely in awe of, of people who are just great with hand magic, right? And and the reason they're so good with with hand magic is because they understand that the that the absolutely essential part of that kind of magic is misdirection. We're wired. We are we are biologically wired for motion. If something's in motion, we look at it. That's how we're. That's how we survive. You know, you see something moving shadow in the woods. There, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus my attention on that. So. Magicians understand that if you have a hand in motion, people are going to look at that hand and the actions in the other hand. That's as simple as it works. It's misdirection. Mm. And this is exactly what they're doing with this and everything else. It's misdirection. We're going to concentrate on this shiny, flashy, dramatic-looking rifle so that your attention is held over here. And meanwhile, we're going to have you fixated on this, which isn't the issue at all. The issue is in our other hand, and we're going to be doing the uh, behind-the-scenes work there while everybody's looking at this other thing. Everything that they do is about misdirection. It's to get people away from what the issue is onto something that they tell them to be. And to be fair to, to these communists, they're very good with rhetorical intelligence. That's what my friend Evan Say called it, rhetorical intelligence. They're masters of rhetoric. And, and you can convince a lot of people of a lot of things if you're willing to lie. And they're very good at this. So they'll say, look at this big, mean, nasty gun. Well, let me see the data on how many people get killed by this big, mean, nasty gun. No, no, you don't need to look at the data. Just look at how mean it looks. It's got a pistol grip and everything. See? Oh, yeah, I guess that must be it. And so misdirection on everything. And, and once you understand that that is the, the tactic and the strategy, then – your, your eyes are, are open, and I'm seeing a lot of people's eyes open that haven't been open in, you know, ever. Mm. But we're fighting an uphill battle. And again, I come back to this. This is the third time now. I don't understand how the good guys are so unbelievably awful at, at, at spreading them. How do you not sell freedom, honestly? I mean, seriously, and P.G. O'Rourke is the guy who really made me a conservative. I, I wasn't ever an American-hating liberal, but I was a theater major, so I just – 
tons of things that I believe very strongly about I knew nothing about. Mm. And P.J. O'Rourke said, look, we've got hot women, fast cars, and loud guns on our seat. I mean, how, how, how bad a salesman do you have to be <laughs> if you can't sell that, right. you know? Yeah, good point. That's exactly the way it uh, – yeah. and I think the human heart yearns for freedom. And I think that, unfortunately, people who think they're going along with this woke agenda where – um, you know, they're going to do away with rights and, you know, civil liberties and whatnot. And, you know, you got to comply with what you're being told by the big, the big brother or whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll wake up one day and say, oh, my God, what have I done? And uh, like, like, uh, you know, you see a lot of the, the true communists out there that say those are the first ones lined up against the walls and shot. That's too. right that were the part of the movement and they were the groundswell of the operation. And they're the ones first up against the wall and shot and put down. And that's what's going to be their last thought is I can't believe I did this to one of the greatest beacons of truth in the, the world has ever known. And so the real irony here is that people like you and me are spending our lives fighting these people to protect them from their own ideas. Mm. Because if they get what they think they want, they're going to end up against the wall. Right. And that's how it works. And I think probably the last thing I'll say that I think is a positive note is uh, over all the years I've been doing this, I've come to believe that when it's all said and done, you can make people duck their heads, you can make people agree to things, but you can't beat the biology out of people. Mm. Right now you can hear trans people arguing that I'm a man, but now I present myself as a woman, so straight men should want to date me and marry me. Well, you can talk them all you want to, but they're not going to do that. Mm. And And so while Hollywood... And the movie business is the most left-leaning business in America. Entertainment is inherently conservative. Entertainment is always about an individual. And I can prove this statement by an old saw I use quite a lot, but rather proud of this line. It's like the reason you can tell that collectivism doesn't appeal to people is because nobody's going to go see a movie starring James Bond where he can confronts the supervillain super with a strongly worded letter from the United Nations and drives off in a Prius at a reasonable speed. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that, right. right? It's nobody. It's all storytelling, all de- human desire and communication is about heroism, individuality, strong men, and, and that's what people are attracted to. And no matter how much they try to sell the antithesis of this to us, we just turn our back on properties like Star Trek or Star Wars rather than swallow this garbage that nobody's going to swallow under any circumstances whatsoever. Uh, you had something going on. I don't know if you've developed it any uh, about along those lines, right? About kind of re- developing the next generation of American patriots through media and through, some, is that still a project you're working on? Well, it is sort of, I've been doing a lot of work um, with, uh, with uh, animation, especially in video game engines, because while a lot of people correctly lament the fact that so many kids are spending times in their bedrooms just, you know, doing nothing but playing video games. The actual fact of the matter is if you look at what most of these games are, like Call of Duty or Medal of Honor or, or Red Dead Redemption, what's basically happening is these these kids, mostly young men, who've been beaten up and told, you know, you've got to be act like a girl and 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 you know what they're doing is they're closing the door and they're they're living the lives that their grandfathers lived. Mm. They're shooting Nazis and they're jumping out of airplanes and they're blowing up buildings and, and, and 
you can't beat the biology out of people. Right. They're not playing simulations of, of, of committee meetings and they're not, and they're not doing street protest simulators. They're, they're playing. Look, there's a red, there's a video game, a really excellent one called red dead redemption. Number two, it made $550 million in two days when this thing went wow. for sale. And the reason it did that well is because it gave millennials and Gen Z boys a chance to play cowboys and Indians without somebody bitching at them all the time. Mm. And, and, if these young men were were secretly were, were playing video games that were about the kind of things that we think they're about, then I'd say it's time to pack up the beans and the ammo and move to the hills. But they're not. Right. They're not. They're they're playing video games that have them moving fast. They're laying down suppressing fire. They're 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 taking positions. They're talking to each other on the radio. All of these video games have essentially one objective. That is to make money, and the reason you make money in a video game is so you can buy better weapons, mm. and that's what they are. And mm. if those fundamental things were changing, I'd be a lot more afraid than I, than I am. Right now, I think it's temporary insanity, and I have not seen any evidence that the, that the social engineering that they're trying to do has actually rewired people. It's just made them keep their head down and keep their opinions to themselves, but I don't think it's actually rewired the, the bulk of the population. And I don't think it ever will. Oh, that's, that's uh, like you said, a end on a positive note. I agree with you, and I hope that to be true. Bill, thanks so much for your time today. It's always, always interesting to talk to you, and I will have to do it again if you're up for it sometime. Absolutely. I'd love to. And, time uh, flies when you're having fun. Yeah, God bless, and have a good one. Uh, you too. Thank you guys for joining, in to ra- joining us on Rapid Fire, your weekly show about all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And remember to leave us a message when we're not broadcasting live any hour of the day or night, 508-444-2120. And keep up the good fight. Support your local community. Be an advocate for responsible gun ownership. And together as Americans, we can overcome. I'm Toby Leary. God bless. We'll see you next time.